The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. Rashid Clark, who is the Marketing and Communication Specialist with Crohn's and Colitis Canada. Yeah, and it's November, and November is Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month. Hi everybody, I'm Lisa. And I'm Chantel, and this is Gut and Glory. Crohn's and Colitis Canada actually released a pretty fundamental report. So they they released the 2018 Impact of IBD in Canada report. Much so bigger than... Uh, the 2012 one. That's right. So the last time we saw this report was six years ago in 2012, and it was much smaller and definitely not as detailed as the one that we have now. Um, I definitely read the over 250-page report, but we will not... You are insane. <laughs> science teacher, science teacher. Yeah. We will not uh, go through, obviously, 250 pages. No, but you are going to take your exam on that <laughs> on that piece of uh, text later, but right? But what's amazing is we have Rashid, and you know he works with Crohn's and Clays Canada, so he's got an insight here, and he's here to talk to us about this report because for Canadians, um, there's some really shocking data here. And I know that uh, Rashid and I were at a conference, Guts 2018 conference um, this month. What? Why aren't you guys wearing your t-shirts? I know. You guys have your Guts and Glory shirts too. So I mean, I I don't want to like have competing brands (laughs) going up against each other. Yeah. And uh, yes, there will be a, a quiz on the report just yeah. for Chantel. Just for Chantel. Just for Chantel. And she, I afterwards. know she's going to ace it. We'll too. do these sure after hours. But <laughs> it's possible so, to give more than 100%. Yes. So we'll, we're going to talk about this report. I just, I find like at that conference we were at, Rashid, I was, you know, when the presenters were talking about this report and the things that were in there, a lot of this stuff I want to say that I was surprised, but I also expected. Just knowing as much as I know about Crohn's and colitis and being involved and seeing the prevalence of this disease in this country and how it's evolved in my 12 years of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But it, when you hear it being proven, that it's proven now, yeah, it's a little bit like... like and a little bit of justification, I think, for, for, for patients as well. Because absolutely. I know a lot of people have a, a hard time sometimes coming to the diagnosis. Sometimes it's hard for people to even have others believe that there's something wrong with them, that they are sick. And this is, I think, the impact report that is a really good way of giving those people that uh, that justification to say, yes, you know, this is a problem. It affects a lot of people across the country. And unfortunately, we are seeing some groups that have uh, rising incidence rates. And that's uh, one of the, the key findings of the report. And is these that... people are like, we're not alone. Yeah. And no. as the time progresses on, we will find ourselves even less alone. And there are so many children there are affected now. Yeah, I mean, there's so much Many happening. more than I knew. Uh, so let's get 7, into thousand. So originally, like, you know, the statistic was one in every 150 people. Yeah. But the report has shown that that's not the case because it's not 250,000 Canadians anymore. It's 270,000 Canadians currently living right. with IBD in and this that, country. And that gives us an incidence rate of about one in 140. 
Right. Now. So now so it's a, a little bit of a change from the last uh, impact report. And as you were talking about earlier, the, the one of the big differences between the 2012 report and the one that we just released uh, in November of 2018 is that this is a much more science-heavy document, which is maybe why Chantal was so interested in it. Absolutely. Uh, it, the, the, the last report was, uh, I think, a little bit more layperson friendly. It was uh, meant to be just here's kind of an overview of the diseases. Here's what we are uh, in terms of what we know about the diseases across the country. Whereas this one is a report from some of Canada's top IBD scientists. Right. It's, it can be a little bit science heavy uh, as you go through the 250 pages. And we did our part to try to whittle it down to the main highlights, the big findings and the big recommendations. And that's what we try to present to the public because I know that not everyone's a science teacher. Not everyone's going to sift through the 250 the pages of, 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 of graphs. <laughs> and charts and, and numbers and, and citations. Why would they when they have yes. Chantel to do it? <laughs> exactly. But you know what, though? Just I just want to say that if you go to Crohn's and Colitis Canada's website, so if you go to www.crohnsandcolitis.ca slash impact report, mm -hmm. you can get a copy of the large report if you'd like to and you're interested in reading the whole thing. But Crohn's and Colitis Canada has done also a fantastic job at just breaking down the main points of the report in lay language you know, the big takeaways, the 10 to 15 point takeaways that we need. So our episode is going to be talking about those major takeaways that you can see on crohnsandclitis.ca slash impact report. So our listeners, and it doesn't matter if you don't live in Canada, have a look at it because if it's rising here, it's probably safe to say the incidences of IBD around the world are possibly rising as well. And while this report was very much Canada focused, what we did find from some of the international data that was still brought in for the report is that we are seeing Crohn's and colitis in parts of the world where we didn't necessarily see a lot of it before, like in, Asia, I in, think yeah, in yeah. Asia, a lot of developing countries. And that's something that's kind of been uh, the case over the last few years with different research is that as countries are becoming more westernized, quote unquote, uh, as countries are going from, you know, developed or, or developing to developed, we are seeing more incidents of, uh, of Crohn's and colitis. And we're not entirely sure why, but uh, that does, you know, get into that whole idea of, you know, there's an environmental trigger or something in a lifestyle trigger that may be behind what causes the diseases in the first place. So Lisa, you mentioned children. So mm -hmm. we've got 270,000 Canadians living right now with IBD, yeah. Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Right. Of those 270,000, over 7,000 of them are children. That just blows my mind. Yeah, like... Because it was it's thought... It's heartbreaking. It was, you know, as you know, and uh, I'll let you in on this, Rashid, I, I was diagnosed when I was 11, and that was several years ago. A few years ago. Um, <laughs> just a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, it was just not a disease that kids had. It was... Uh, I didn't know meet anyone else who had it until I went to university, and that's when they were being diagnosed. So the idea that kids in those great numbers are living with it is a real big change. And the other thing that came out of the report is that the prevalence of Crohn's and colitis um, in Canadian children um, has risen more than 50% in the last 10 years. In the last 10, 10 years. 10 years. It's risen 50%. Wow. Now, this could be because, because of a number rise. of things. I mean, the... Uh... We, we are getting better at diagnosing right? the disease. Right, so that could be a so reason. I think uh, certainly in the last 10 years, diagnostic equipment uh, and practices have evolved quite a lot so that maybe we're able to diagnose people sooner than we would have in the past. But the fact that there has been this large spike in the last you know 10 or so years, I think does show that it's not just a matter of like we're diagnosing it more. Yeah, better yeah, equipment is one thing. But, but something definitely seems to be uh, off in the terms of how many people or how many kids are actually developing the disease uh, 
to begin with. And, you know, as you said, it is concerning because this is a, obviously we know, difficult disease to live with no matter what age you're diagnosed. But when we look at someone's entire life, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I, living with uh, IBD myself, I was diagnosed in my early 20s, still had a lot of time to have my youth, I mean, to, yeah. to, to live like a normal quote-unquote kid. And then you, one of the hardest things, I think, uh, for me to accept when I, when I see those stats about the kids is that this is their entire life. They won't they're, know they're, any They're not going yeah. to know a life that didn't have Crohn's or colitis. And I've met a few kids who, who have been like that, and, and even uh, you know, young adults who were diagnosed you know, when they as were a a, as a teen or yeah. even younger. And, they, you know, and they've told me, you know, I don't really remember what life was like not having the disease. I've actually said that and I was diagnosed at 20, you know? Like I feel like the further I get away from when I was diagnosed, the f harder it is for me to remember before that. And you know, you, you, interesting you mentioned that about children because we, when we had the guys from the Yard Project on here and they talked about Camp Got To Go, mm -hmm. and we had Sherry, the mom, That's who came great. in and talked about her kids going to Camp Got To Go. How, like, how amazing that camp is. Crohn's and Claytis Canada putting on that camp, Camp Got To Go, and obviously clearly th that the need is there. You know, you didn't meet anybody, Lisa, when you were diagnosed, not a no single one. kid. And what a camp like that must do, and obviously we're going to need more camps because this is not going away. Because we have more kids. I mean, yeah. what is the projection on that? Yeah, so 2030, tell us. They, in 2030, they've estimated... We're looking at approximately 400,000 people, kids, adults, across the, uh, across the age spectrum. So by 2030, we're expecting about 400,000 Canadians to be living with a form of inflammatory bowel disease, and that would make up... a about 1% of the Canadian population. So you know when, when we hear 1%, people don't think yeah, too much about it, but that, that's a lot, people. Exactly. Like, we need to, like... it, it's, 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 a, it's obviously, it's a growing number, you know, going from 270 up to, up to 400,000 by 2030. And it's not just the fact that, you know, the number of people have the disease or we have more people who have the disease. These are complex diseases to live with and they're lifelong diseases. And I think that's the, that's the big problem with Crohn's and colitis is that, we don't want to necessarily just talk about like, oh, this is how many people have the disease. But when you have a number of people who have the disease and it's lifelong and it's complex and it's difficult to treat and it causes surgeries and it causes hospitalizations and cha exactly changes over time, then it, it, it's, a huge, it's a huge burden on the country as a whole. Uh, just to be clear, the diseases are the burden, not the people. That's right. Just we want, are not Just want to make that we clear. We are rock stars. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And, and, and by definition, a burden is something that's too heavy to carry on one's own shoulders. So, you know, it, it does take the country to really make things better for everybody who's living with the diseases. And because they are so complex and so difficult to treat, it's, uh, it weighs more heavily on the country as a whole to look out for all of the people who are living with Crohn's or colitis. So speaking about weighing on the country, we talked about children mm -hmm. uh, who are considered the dependent. We need to now, we need to talk about what the report said about seniors, because there were two main things that came out of the report about senior citizens, because that's the other essentially dependent in the community. They're, if they're retired, they're not working, children not working. Right. It's, it's the before, it's the early and the late that, you know, could cause some financial burden, financial hardship. Absolutely. On the country, on a province. Yeah. And then, you know, when does it become our responsibility to step in and ensure that we are progressive about this? Right. So what did we hear about seniors? So in terms of seniors, and we're talking about people who are 65 and over in that definition of, of senior. But if you're 65 and you don't consider yourself a senior, don't you worry about no, it. No, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. You just keep no, doing you, what you, you just do. You just keep doing what you, you're doing. You are as, as, as old as you want to <laughs> be. Age is just the number. <laughs> <laughs> we're just here to present the numbers. Yeah, they don't mean anything. We're presenting numbers. Age can 
I guess can be subjective <laughs> if, right. if, if, right. if, if you feel a certain way. But uh, for the sake of the report and then for the sake of the uh, the researchers involved, uh, when we talk about seniors 65 and over, they're the fastest growing group of Canadians with Crohn's or colitis. And that's in part because we're seeing a lot of seniors who are being diagnosed as seniors, mm -hmm. but also as the population continues to age, people who had been diagnosed when they were in their 20s, 30s, 40s are now progressing into the senior category. Right. And so we have a lot of uh, people who are our seniors who are dealing with Crohn's or colitis. It's just the population is shifting. It's just exactly. a pendulum switch. Like, so it's, it's going to happen. So it's right? a population shift in combination with more people being diagnosed as seniors. So uh, when we had our impact of IBD in Canada report launch back on November 1st, uh, we had uh, someone speaking to the crowd who was diagnosed later in life. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of other people uh, in attendance who had been diagnosed diagnosed when they were, you know, in their early 60s or, or, or mid-60s. And these are people who hadn't really had any other, you know, health issues before, generally lived a, you know, quote-unquote normal life. And then when they reached that, uh, that senior years, uh, all of a sudden they developed uh, Crohn's or colitis. And that becomes a challenge to treat as well because, uh, you know, as, as seniors you have potentially other health yeah. issues, other health challenges course, as well. Of course, yeah. And, and, and then when you talk about some of the main treatments for Crohn's and colitis, especially ones that can suppress your immune system, that oh. becomes particularly potentially problematic for seniors because now you're dealing with uh, well, they're a, already a at a immune risk yeah. catching things and same thing with babies. And dealing right? with things Absolutely. already. And dealing, exactly, Absolutely. exactly. So you're taking an immune system that may not be the most robust and potentially Taxing treating it. your disease with something that can make it even weaker. Yeah. But like I know the report mentioned things about, you know, being in junction with things like diabetes or like Heart conditions. Heart conditions, you know, yeah. And then the medications that you're the taking. The side effects that would come from the medications, Absolutely. too. Oh. And, and Arthritis. Think, exactly. And like, and it really highlights the, the need for, for trans, transdisciplinary care, which is another one of the things that we wanted so to highlight. we've been pushing for on this podcast. Absolutely. Health care is not... It's not one thing. That's right. And there's Don't not just one thing guts. that's wrong. Exactly. Yeah, you exactly. need a holistic and we, approach. And Lisa, you know, you argued, and a lot of our parents and children who we've spoken to have said the same thing, that we feel like... When diagnosed as a child, especially at a hospital like sick kids, it seems a little bit more holistic approach it to does. healthcare mm -hmm. yeah. as it does as an adult. And I know that that's becoming a focus now. I know that there's a lot of people focusing on that treating inflammatory bowel disease is not just treating the bowel. There's extra intestinal manifestations mm -hmm. of this disease that are often what we deal with the most. Yeah. Well, that's what you see first. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes. Absolutely. And, uh, and again, just getting back to seniors. You know, if someone does have, say, cardiovascular disease or diabetes or another health issue, then you have to have your your healthcare practitioners communicating and working with each other yeah. because you might have different medications for different yeah, ailments. Yeah, it literally has How to be a joint effort. How do they all work together? It can't be just I go to this doctor, they give me this, and then I went to this doctor, they gave me this. Like this, yeah. this communication has to be open across. And people with you know, like myself, having Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, as well as arthritis and other you know fibromyalgia and brain things happening and. I'm always pushing for my doctors to communicate. They're all at different hospitals, but one of my biggest things that I'm always advocating for myself is you need to communicate with my other doctors. Like, I can't do this for yes. you. Like, pick up the phone and talk to these professionals and figure out what's going on. And I worry that our senior population won't have that knowledge to say that to our doctors, to their doctors. Like, will they just go in and say, okay? Yeah, you know, when we talk about different you know, generational attitudes. I think certainly Absolutely. the younger generation is maybe a little bit more vocal, Forward. a little yeah. bit more uh, forceful when it comes to asking for treatment uh, 
on their terms. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, just using my, my own father as an example, who doesn't have Crohn's or colitis, but has a number of other health challenges, you know, he's one to kind of just go to the doctor and then the doctor gives them some like, advice. Yes, sir. And, and yes, yes ma'am. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, doctor. Have a good day. Uh, and, I, you know, I can't necessarily put that across, you know, to all seniors are like that. But uh, I think there is, you know, a bit of a generational difference. And it is important for seniors and everyone to, to know that uh, they have to sometimes advocate for themselves, uh, especially when you are dealing with different health conditions and different doctors and different specialists, so that they do work together. It's Lisa's VIP, very informed very patient. And also very involved parent. Yeah. yeah. So it's a VIIP? VIP. So very informed patient or very involved parent, depending on who in, we're talking in, to. If you're involved and informed, though, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm creating a brand new acronym for you. It's a VIP. Like VIIP. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, keep so we, let's talk about um, rural areas because I know we've had Peter on our episode talking about the PACE program, telemedicine. Yeah. And, you know, Canada being such a large, by surface area, large country. Um, and yes, most of our population lives within 150 kilometers of the U.S. border. But we do have a lot of people living in rural communities. No, where they and, don't have access and to... And they don't have access to GI. Diagnostic equipment. Yeah. yeah. Like, and how the telemedicine, the PACE program is, is trying to break those boundaries. But we still need more, obviously. Yeah. There's... And, uh, you know, to the point of the, the PACE telemedicine program, back again when we had our, our launch of the impact report, one of the speakers... Uh, was actually involved in that PACE telemedicine program herself. Uh, she lives in a, a small town near Thunder Bay, so uh, GI care is not... She is up there. She's up there. She's <laughs> up there. And and, uh, and GIs aren't, you know, readily available. Uh, so being able to have the telemedicine available to her where she could have consultations with uh, GIs at uh, Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto without having to drive several hours or potentially, you know, spend a weekend or several days in Toronto just to have that one appointment. And then think you know, it's a huge time savings. Flaring. Oh, God. exactly. Like yeah. it's not just driving; it's like you're ill and yeah. driving. Yeah. yeah, and 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 try to make exactly try to make that trip either by by driving or by plane when you're unwell, which is exactly the time that you need to see the doctor. Absolutely. Uh, so you know, our pace telemedicine program is certainly helping a lot of people uh, in those uh, smaller communities, and it's something that we want to try to expand as much as we can, so that more people who are living away from a, a big hospital or an IBD center can still have that good quality level of care. We were, when we were at the, I don't know if you were in the room at the time, but um, Rashid, when we were at the conference at Guts 2018, there was a, a girl there. She was probably in her 20s. And she said something and it hit me and I was just like, oh my God. Like I actually turned to Daryl and said, can you imagine? And what she said is she lives in a rural, she lived in a rural community and she was going to her family doctor and there was some issues. She didn't know what was happening. This was pre-diagnosis. And she said to, like her family doctor said, okay, we're going to get you on a list to see a GI doctor. She got on a list that was a year wait. And her family doctor didn't push it. at the, Like it wasn't pushing it. Like, okay, yeah, well, you know, we'll get you there. It doesn't seem that serious. In that year that she was waiting, and she was in a rural community. Granted, if she wasn't in a rural community, she knows that her access would have been a bit quicker. But in that year that she was waiting to see a GI, her bowel ruptured. Oh my god! And she needed to have surgery. So I was I was not in the room. And I like I literally was like, I I was speechless. I I thought to myself, oh my god, like this is a perfect example of we like we have to be better. Like not only do we need to just solve it with telemedicine and the PACE program, but 
we need to have IBD centers and we need to have GIs and IBD nurses who 100%, you know, are blessings. We need to have them not just in the big cities. You know, I've heard that Crohn's and Clyde, I've heard the saying Crohn's and Clyde is Canada being almost like Canada's diseases, you know, because we have such high rates of it. And yeah. when she said that, that it, while waiting on the waiting list to see a GI, her bowel ruptured and she went in for emergency surgery. I just, I was floored. I couldn't, I, I cried. Like I just sat there and was just like, I need a minute. Like She's well now, thank goodness, you know, and she's come out of that dark experience and she has a GI, but it's just, it's the perfect example of how important this is. And such a scary thing for someone to go I through. Can't, and, like, you know, when we talk about... That could kill you. You can exactly, go septic exactly, and die. Exactly, exactly, like, exactly. And not just, and, you know, granted, the, you know, very thankful that she has made it out as a result, you know, after having that, uh, that bowel rupture. But when we talk about investing in, in healthcare systems and healthcare programs and investing in more doctors and better placement, all of these things are costly endeavors, understandable. But when you think about what they can actually save the healthcare system, if this person had better access to a gastroenterologist Quicker. sooner, mm -hmm. better diagnosis, then she could have prevented that she could have bowel rupture to help and like wouldn't have had to have an emergency, emergency room visit, emergency surgery, which is extremely expensive, not just expensive, dangerous, yeah. can come with a potential number of complications, which only add to the cost. So when we talk about investing in, in better care for the country, for healthcare systems across the country, better uh, GIs, more GIs, you know, it's not that we're trying to drain more money away from the country. We're actually trying to make a savings for the well, country. We have to start being preventative. Yeah, and we have to, you know, like we have to, we have to start being proactive. We can't wait until we have it to start gets... advocating for our own Absolutely. healthcare. You know, Absolutely. particularly if you're listening to this from a rural area. You know somebody who's been affected by IBD. Or you yourself. These are the things to bring up with your, uh, with your politicians, with your representatives. In yeah, the when area. you go to vote, like, you need to ask, what are they doing for healthcare? And yeah. I think that's what brings us to, you know, what this report, you know, what can be done? Like, what do we need to do? What should be being done? Not just people with inflammatory bowel disease, but, you know, our loved ones, politicians who are listening, leaders who are listening, doctors, everyone involved in the IBD community. Mm -hmm. This report gives us, it gives us the the, the backbone the and the yeah. proof that we need now to start pushing forward. Because from here, we're like, you know, Rashid has said, look, we're not asking for more money yeah. You know, we're asking for more money to be put into the right area so that it doesn't cost more in the long run. We are asking to help you help us help you, you save, save money. money. <laughs> this <is> right? <laughs> like, this is what we're doing. That's what we should have been promoting this whole yeah, month. That's yeah, you can have that. We want to help you save money. Yeah. <laughs> like, help us help, help you save money. money. Well, Absolutely. you know, the report said, like, and let's talk about the money for a second here. Yeah. Now that we're talking about my this favorite is subject, let's do it. it. You know, it's and it says clearly the direct annual cost of caring for Canadians with inflammatory bowel disease. Get ready direct, for it. Direct annual. If you don't know what annual means, this means yearly. Get okay, ready for it. Is one point two eight billion dollars. Billion with a B as in Bob. Okay. <laughs> Like, it's a huge expense. Yeah. It's a huge expense, and that—that that was the—that's that's the direct cost uh, estimated for 2018. Right, and, and that's, that's only the... with 270 thousand. Exactly. So exactly. what is this going to be when with that goes up to 400 thousand? And then inflation added into Just it. Just uh, Now I'm not—I'm not, not a, like a mathematician, but I know that's a lot. 
And it's going to keep increasing. I'm also not a mathematician, and I also know that is a <laughs> lot of money. Thank you for checking my work. It's a on lot that. of money, and thank you. And, and we, it's uh, that's that's the direct cost, and there's an additional cost on top of that where you you think about what uh, can be lost in terms of productivity, where people are yeah. not going to work, right? Or when people have to pay out of pocket for supplementary or alternative treatments. I mean, it's a huge cost to people who live with the disease, the people who care about them, and of course to the country And as I was going to say that too, to the people who support them too, because... Look at, uh, look at parents now having to take sick days yeah. because yeah. the you're rate of children being diagnosed is 50% you're, higher in the last 10 years. You're not going, your kid's not going to school, you're not going to work, and, and that's, it, then yeah. suddenly everything becomes stressed across your family, Finance, finances become an, a thing, and depression, absolutely, becomes, and which is have, another financial. When exactly. I say we, I mean IBD warriors. We is yeah. what I mean by we. Like for example, I know some of my medication is covered through my insurance and through healthcare, but a lot of things like I'm chronic anemic because the inflammation in my ileum, I'm not really absorbing my iron. Those types of things, like I have to go for iron infusions, that's not covered, so I have to pay for that. So every time I go, it's 115 dollars for my iron infusions. My B12 not covered. So Whoa. every time I have B12, I have to pay for that. So there's these other these other costs Extra. to the individual as well. Like it's not just the provinces carrying this cost, but you have individuals carrying a cost for a disease that is they, causing them to be out of work. That's right. Like so they, they can't can be seek a their contributing member of yeah. society because this is a debilitating disease in some areas. And we do have, to be clear, a wonderful healthcare system. We do. I mean, it is, we it are is terrific. So I, I've been the beneficiary of it uh, many times. Absolutely but, but when, no but, death panels, absolutely, by the but, way, if you're but, listening from, <laughs> from the United a, States. another nation. Uh, but when we talk about universal healthcare, it's not, it's a little bit of a misnomer because not everything is covered. Uh, you know, like iron infusions, a lot of prescription yeah, medications. Yeah, so I always feel like it should be like small uni, like yeah. or tiny, like, or, or and universal, then else universal with an asterisk. Yeah, because yeah. there are you know there, there are certain things that that patients have to bear themselves in terms of the cost. And so uh, you know when we talk about the direct cost, that's a huge number in itself. Again, billion with a B, but it's not even taking into account a lot of the other expenses that can come from living with the disease just as individuals. On the website Crohn'sAndColitis.ca/impact-report, they also have. Um, the prevalence of IBD in Canada broken down by province and territory. So, for example, Ontario, um, you know, it's 731 people per 100,000, or in total, we have 103,776. What's interesting is that the highest prevalence per 100,000 is in Nova Scotia. So per 100,000 people in Nova Scotia, we have 1,224 people. So quite interesting. The the majority of the po uh, province and territory, majority of the provinces and territories float somewhere between the high six hundreds to the mid seven hundreds. I would say. Yeah. And then there's just this outrageous number in Nova Scotia. <laughs> like so yeah. little. What, what is going? Yeah. What is going on? What's going on? What is going on? What is, what is, is going on there? in the East Coast? Uh, I wish I knew. Uh, yeah. And I think that uh, all the researchers who have been involved in the report are certainly, you know, curious as to as to understanding why Nova Scotia, of all places, has that uh, markedly yeah. higher uh, incidence rate. And I know that, uh, again, it's a matter of we're, we're getting better at, at diagnosing people, but at the same time, the rates certainly seem to be higher there. And unfortunately, because we still don't really even know what 
causes Crohn's and colitis to begin with. Right. We can't even get down to the very can't specific just start going things there and be about. Like, oh, Nova Scotia has this, yes. this, and this. Yeah, exactly. this must be the reason. Can we circulate like a, a Canada-wide questionnaire? A Canada-wide questionnaire. Just, where we're just, all just like, so how's some, it going? Yeah, something about Nova Scotia. The yeah. the the air, the proximity to the Atlantic Ocean, the Donairs. That's a Halifax thing. Oh man. I love Donairs, by the way. I can't and, even talk about okay, it. So I I'm did, sorry. I think but, you're but so that's, disgusting. Okay, well. I'm going to get up and leave right now. But, uh, <laughs> we're not going to, you know what? We're friends. We don't need to. That's the great thing about being okay, Canadian. My whole family. I have one, one a disgusting can, sandwich in one my thing province. That we'll I'm sure Listen, that Donaires, my parents are in Newfoundland. That's where my whole, my whole family lives. So they're East Coast living as well. And Donaires are pretty popular there as well. But I think I would take a Donair over, you know, a dried out capelin little tiny fish that is just the most disgusting thing okay. and I and no like my dad will just eat that thing head and all like it oh really oh that's <laughs> awful so I'll take a donair, donair any day okay yeah my, and shout out east to our coast friends people, on the east coast yeah, my east coast people we love you I'm trying to get there for Christmas your charm is endless and I'm sure that there are so many more people out there who love the sandwich. It's just me. I don't like it. It's not for that, That's fair. That's no fair. offense. And, and, and you know what? Again, the, the researchers who are behind the report and looking at IBD every day, they want to understand what's behind the diseases and, and specifically what is behind a higher incidence rate in Nova Scotia and, and maybe look at the other provinces where rates are lower. What is it about their environment that yeah, may like cause the rates to be on the lower side. Saskatchewan has the lowest number, not by a substantial amount in comparison to others. Yeah, um, but looking at about 600 or so people per yeah. 100,000. Uh, so what is it in the prairies that's there, different yeah. than what it's like on the East Coast? So all, all of the environmental factors that have to be uh, looked at when we look at what causes the diseases. It's a complex thing to It's disorder. very interesting though, isn't it, to think about like the ex extreme east of the country has the highest rate and right in the dead middle, it's the lowest rate. And, and the weird thing is I that, love Canada, why? I just hate that we have this disease. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and why that is the case, like your guess is as good as anyone else's. Right. That, 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 UFOs, that's, the... that's what I think. Crop circles. Just sliding that so out there, correct. just UFOs. Okay, so maybe your good guess isn't as good as anyone else's. <laughs> Yeah. So also on, the, also on the website is, you know, now that we have this report and we've talked about, we've kind of talked about like what this means, you know, in terms of we're not asking for more money. We're asking to save the, the province's money, save the territory's money by being proactive. And, you know, the website does a really good job at breaking down all the things specifically. So just making, and it, and it all does come back to the dollar, you know, making sure that things, even things like um, colonoscopies and endoscopy, like, that that's done quicker and more efficiently. And it's not, you're not on a large waiting list for these things, that this, this is happening faster. To start doing, you know, national public health campaigns mm -hmm. where we educate the people of Canada as to what these diseases are. Because I wonder how, like, I think about myself and how long I sat before I went to the doctor. Like, I got to the point where I was at work and I filled the toilet up with blood and it flushed itself. And my manager broke into the bathroom and was like, you, I, I'm calling 911. Yeah. Like I got to that point before I went to the hospital. And maybe a lot, and a lot of it for me was the stigma associated to bowel and how terrifying it is when you're losing this much blood yeah, and, from your colon. And, and, and I think in some cases too, it's just the idea that uh, it can, oh, it's, there's something wrong. It's going to be a financial burden. I don't want to do this to my family, so I'm not going to say anything about it. There's a lot it. that goes. You should know that you have access to programs where they can just help you uh, get a diagnosis. And I think being, 
equitable too as well across the country that depend no matter where you're living it's not just your access to a GI that's important but also fair health like fair medical insurance fair access to medications you know we have infusion clinics here for a lot of our you know a lot of the the biologics and drugs that are now you know we're using more often because yeah. they have proof behind them that they're good but that is a special clinic that you have to go to for that that's not just happening anywhere you know and those things need to be equitable across the country no matter where you live rural or urban this this should be something and not just rural or urban but even within the same city absolutely depending on your socioeconomic status if you don't have absolutely. a whole lot of money or if you have a lot of money whatever it is i mean you should have equal access to that uh, to that care and when we talk about big findings that came out of the impact report or one of the recommendations from the report's authors was specifically around the topic of public and private drug plans and we want to do a better job of enhancing and, and harmonizing those drug plans so that people have access to medications regardless of whether they are living in a rural or an urban center and even within the same city regardless of their socioeconomic status whether they have a lot of money don't have a lot of money uh, they still have the same access to the treatments that they need to to get their disease under control. And rightfully, they should. Of course. Absolutely. That should be irrelevant. Uh-huh. Yeah. It isn't, but it should be. So here we are. So let's talk about, like, what is the purpose of Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month? And let's touch on why yeah, we're How long have we called it Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month as opposed to IBD Month? Well, so now, as, as long as I've worked at the organization, which is a little over two years now, I guess this will be my third Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month. We've always tried to differentiate it from IBD Awareness Month. And I think it's in part because we know that a lot of people maybe identify themselves as having Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis before they identify themselves as having inflammatory bowel disease. Potentially. Yeah, that and is true for me, from my experience. Yeah, and uh, IBD sounds like IBS. And yeah. it's it's a constant challenge that we have to face in, in getting people to understand the difference between IBD and IBS, and even to get people to understand that IBD stands for inflammatory bowel disease, and not, not irritable, irritable bowel, bowel disease. Or not, disorder. Not exactly. Exa <laughs> disorder, yes. So, you know, it, it's a... It can go either way, because from a marketing communication standpoint, I would have preferred if throughout this month we could have used the hashtag IBD Awareness Month yep. as opposed to CC Awareness Month, which is what we used for this year. Uh, yeah, I think, because I, oh, I thought that too when I saw that hashtag. I was like, mm, CC. Yeah, like, the, the problem is if I put it hashtag Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month, that's a lot, of, that's a lot of characters. And there's going to be a letter that's going to be exactly. wrong. Nobody one, spells Crohn's right. Exactly. One person, <laughs> yeah, one person myself get, included. One person gets the letter wrong, then all of a sudden it, yeah. it's gone. So you know, maybe for the future what we can do is look at uh, maybe using IBD a little bit more. Uh, maybe using IBD Awareness Month as a way to just kind of make it all-encompassing. Well, I think for educated people like ourselves who have the disease and who have become very informed patients, when we hear IBD, we know the difference. Yeah. But clearly, as the report has shown, and as we know, this is not something that the general population knows about. So using IBD, I can see where that could be more harmful to us than helpful. I really love that you included me in that. Like, we're very informed. But I screw <laughs> it up all the time. Like, all I do spelling, too. Yes. IBD is great. If yeah. I don't have to think about IBD, I just go, IBD. But I'll talk about it, and someone will say irritable bowel disease, mm, right. and I will just miss it. Mm. 
Hmm. Like, I'll just totally miss it. Not let me. it go. I'm no, like, of course. <laughs> I of come course. with my like little like yeah. blown up hammer. Whammo, right on the Yeah, head. that person, weirdly, no matter how old they are, whether they're a student of Chantel's or not, they get a detention <laughs> and they have to go see a principal somewhere. Absolutely. And, and you know, again, from the, from the social media side of things, I, one of the the hopes was that if we call it CC Awareness Month and that gets enough traction, people are kind of curious as to what those what, CC yeah, what actually are. Yeah. And then I, maybe we could get people back to understanding, like, okay, like CC it. is I'm fully and behind it. Okay. I like it. I say lose that dead weight of IBD. Get rid of it. <laughs> it was slowing us down. Let's get CC all the way. So, I, so I, think there, I, think, I think there's room for, for all of them. And uh, as well, there are a lot of people who may have a form of IBD that isn't specifically Crohn's disease okay. or cerebral colitis. So right. in order they to be... get in our big tent, exactly, though. Like get, get in there. Get, we're all, Come one, on we're in. all one IBD yeah, family. Yeah, because there's proctitis the the as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I was originally... Get in our tent. Indeterminate colitis. There's yeah. all, there there, there yeah. are still some other areas that uh, we want to include you know, under the whole umbrella, which is maybe, again, why the report was called the impact of inflammatory bowel disease in Canada yeah. as opposed to impact of Crohn's and colitis. So Crohn's and colitis Awareness Month, what's its purpose? And what is Crohn's and colitis Canada? What have they done? What are they doing? So the purpose of Awareness Month is, surprisingly, to raise awareness of Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And this year, it tied in quite well with the Impact of IBD report because what we could do this year that we maybe haven't been able to do in years past was really make it a, a fulsome, highly informative month where we described just what the diseases are, the impact that they have on ind individuals, on families, on the country as a whole. And we want to do our part to raise awareness of just what it is to live with Crohn's or colitis and to get more public awareness of the fact that these diseases do exist. They can be potentially devastating to individuals, uh, as well as their families and their friends. And we want to make it clear that there is a need for people who have Crohn's or colitis to get more research into the diseases so we understand what's behind them, so we can do a better job of treating them. And obviously, the end goal from us all the time is to find the cures. Uh, that's uh, always at the in the back of our minds in, in everything that we do. Yeah, and the mission statement for Crohn's and Colitis Canada is not only are we work, are they working to find a cure, but also in the meantime, yes. trying to make life easier. Improve life. Yeah, and, and make improve life the quality for, of life for, for people who are for, living with it. Exactly. And, and that's the way it should be because yeah. we can't just sit back and twiddle our thumbs and wait for a cure to show up. Like, we have to live 24-7, 365 days of the year in between that time. Yeah, and we have to beat that deadline before we turn into 400,000 Canadians. Absolutely. Yeah. And a big part of uh, you know making life better for people right now is to just make it so that you don't have to go explain to someone what Crohn's or colitis are when you when, when you're having a bad day. And one of the things that just for me personally, I would love to achieve at some point is if we just step outside right now and talk to ten people and ask them. Have you heard of Crohn's or colitis? And all 10 of them say yes, and all 10 of them can describe what the diseases are. That's That would be my And that's goal. where we are that with things like MS, and that's where we are with things like stroke, and that's where we are with things like, um, you know, heart disease. Like, people have a general idea. They hear those things, and they don't say, I don't know what that is, or they don't cringe because they think it's only a bathroom disease. I want to get there as well. It's, it is exhausting. Or the people who think they know what it is, and then they start talking about it, and you're just like, no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> and we want to create more understanding and more compassion for the people who are having a hard time as a result of the disease. Because Absolutely. one of the, the biggest challenges that a lot of people face is that if you're trying to explain to your teacher, to your employer, to family, friends, why you may be not feeling so well, why you have to take time away from school, take time away from work, why you can't make a social event, then you can say, well, you know, I have, you know, my Crohn's is, is flaring up, you know, my UC is particularly bad today. 
And they say, and they we say, understand. And they say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And there's immediate understanding. Yeah, not That's, like, not can like, you explain oh, further? But not, you look like, fine. Exactly. Oh, oh, you have, you have, you see, like, why is that a problem as to why you can't come to work today? Like, there's the bathroom next to your desk. Exactly. Uh, and, and so we want to, we want to make it uh, very clear to people uh, who don't have the disease or who haven't uh, heard of the disease just what it actually means to live with IBD. And for our Awareness Month campaign this year, again, we were feeding off the impact of IBD report. But what we wanted to do was not just make it about pure numbers and pure facts, but actually show some human faces, the people who are living with the diseases. So we put out a call out on our social media accounts for people to submit some photos about uh, of them and say, what is the face of Crohn's and colitis in Canada? And throughout the month, every day, we've been po posting a photo of someone who has mm -hmm. Crohn's or colitis. On Get Gutsy and Canada, is that it? On, on yes. At, at Get Gutsy Canada. I get see them every Canada. day. At Get Gutsy Canada. At Get Gutsy Canada. And it's and the pictures are great because it's just, it's pictures of just regular people yep. of all ages, of all ethnicities, of all body types, just regular people who have IBD and it's you you see the image and the image it's a positive image for the most part that you see and then there's always a fact on there something coming from the report it and it hits you hard like these facts about children the rates of children yeah. and seniors and how different ethnicities are being diagnosed that have never been diagnosed before and the, you know the prevalence across the country and and I think what I what I like so much about what Crohn's and Clays Canada is doing in these images is that it really makes the diseases real. And it, visible. And visible. And visible. It brings it down to like the level that us IBD warriors are battling at every day. Yeah. Like not just the in the hospital bed, mm -hmm. but the I'm doing my best to function as a human being right now, but I am struggling. Say the address again. At? at Get Gutsy Canada. And that's across yeah, Facebook. It's Twitter, it's Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube all as well. All those yeah. things. Check it out. Yes. Yeah. And we'll be posting all this on our website too, obviously. And like all of the posts and share all of the posts. Like and share. <laughs> Many like times. And share. Please and thank you. So other than people following at Get, Guts, at Get Gutsy Canada. I'm going and, right now at Get Gutsy. <laughs> and posting about it and sharing. What else know. can people do to get involved with Awareness Month? What else can we be doing? Well, just last note on social media again. If you want to share your story, share images, of course, we're more than welcome or more if than happy. To, if you're comfortable, of right. course. Uh, again, using the hashtag CC Awareness Month is what we've been using this year throughout November. And so keep those stories coming. Keep sharing. Uh, I know that one of our employees who has Crohn's disease herself has been using the entire month to share little highlights about what her life is like with Crohn's. So every day she'll post a little bit something about, uh, you know, when she was diagnosed, the surgeries she's had, uh, the challenges she's had uh, describing the disease to other people. So those little kind of facts that come from real people can really, again, humanize the illnesses and let people see what uh, may otherwise be unseen. Uh, again, and that's for the people who are maybe a little bit more social media inclined and the people who have come to a certain level of comfort in, in sharing what they and what they have about their disease. That there's and there's a it, lot and, of people who are not there exactly. or they may never get there or they're and just not there yet. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, you know? we're not trying to get everybody to say like, "Hey, I have Crohn's." Like, shout it from the rooftops. I mean, not that everyone That would be sweet though. That would be sweet, but not everyone's <laughs> at that point and that's and that's perfectly understandable. And, you know, if, you know, being very public about your disease is not your thing, you know, the whole point I think what we want to do this month is to get people to do what they can to raise awareness. So maybe have a few conversations with your people that you are comfortable telling so that you get an understanding 
to those people and they have now well it's a, a domino knowledge. effect if, if you can like I know that you know when I met Daryl and you know now we're engaged in our families we are very close of course we're getting married in the summer I know that now that he's he knows because of me people in his circle have been educated mm -hmm. because of the chain effect that came from me to him to the next person to the next person to the next person to the next person so that's what ends up happening. Tell the people that are close to you, and then that person gonna go, oh, I know somebody who has this disease. This means da 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 And then that person says, oh, I know someone who knows somebody who has that disease. Exactly. This is what I mean, we gotta do this. Six degrees of separation. Probably more like three in Canada. Let's get on it. And if people do want to get involved, maybe more in a behind-the-scenes kind of way, you know, we're always looking for volunteers across the country to help out with our events, to help out with uh, local chapter meetings and fundraising events. And there's lots of ways that people can get involved with the organization that makes a big difference in, in, in terms of what we do. And we wouldn't be able to do all the work that we do without our volunteers. They're absolutely essential to everything we do. And, and we'd be, guys, we'd you've be lost heard me them. say over and over again, I am a big volunteer with Crohn's and Colitis Canada. You know, being the chair of the Gutsy Walk and with the Durham chapter, Rashid works with Crohn's and Colitis Canada and is still a volunteer. Still a volunteer. You know, volunteering is also just a great step. And there's different volunteer roles depending on the person that you are. So like if, and, and your schedule. So if you can only volunteer for a one-time event a couple of times a year or even just once a year, then do that. You don't have to be a volunteer that is active every single month at the chapter meetings. You just volunteer at the time that you can. And I'll be honest that volunteering my time has also allowed me to meet other people who have IBD, who have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And that has been very therapeutic for me. And, you know? and I know that you're in your doing that has been very therapeutic for other people who've been able to, because you're so accessible and you're, you're so willing to talk about your, yeah, you're yeah. reaching a lot of people on a very personal level that, you know, might really need it. Yeah. And one of the reasons I still do volunteer is just because I've made such great friendships with the people at Absolutely. the, at the, at the Peel chapter where I, where I volunteer. And again, just when you talk about having those experiences where you share your story, it makes a huge difference because I know that in one of our chapter meetings, we had someone come who had never met anyone before who had Crohn's or colitis, and he just opened up for a good 20, 25 minutes, just, I'm having all of these problems. Oh my goodness. And I, we just... I would have just held we, his and we hand just sat and sat there. And we just, we just took it all in, and we offered our help wherever we could. What a relief and, and, for and him. Exactly, what a relief it was. And uh, he is someone who works in landscaping, after he came to our meeting, he formed a gutsy walk team. Uh, I think it was called Grassy and Gassy, and and and, and, he, and he had and he had a great gutsy walk, and he was uh, you know one of our one of our great fundraisers. And there are lots of ways that you can get involved with us, and uh, you know from the the chapter level, the volunteer level, I'm incredibly fortunate to be a volunteer. And there are some days where I am. I'm, I'm almost more grateful for that than than my employment status. Although I shouldn't too and I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay the employment no, status because you know, getting a paycheck is important yeah uh, but I, my volunteer work though. is just it, it's so rewarding yeah and, and the, and so the people you meet the experiences that you have what you learn the comfortability you gain with yourself and that just I finding just, your tribe yeah you know, yeah like absolutely. people who absolutely. get you on a gut level <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah, thank yeah. you. That's, namaste, everybody. Rashid, it's been I'm so done. awesome to have you here um, and to talk about this report and to talk about Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month because this this is our month. We yeah. need to own it. Wear we share purple. it with a couple of other things, but we still need to own this month. You you know, wear your purple. Talk about it. Get your elevator speech ready, where you have like your one minute, right. your thirty second, just blurb about what uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis are, is. And if you're if you're comfortable with sharing it from a personal level, then do it. If not, just share it. 
Teach one person you know uh, or one person you've never met before what the initials IBD actually Actually stand stand for. for Just one person randomly. Just did you know? Check out Crohn'sandclitis.ca's website. They have so many things on there. They have links to what's happening, like current news, um, what events are occurring. You know, CTV News, I know, ran a story about it as well and talked about the IBD report. Um, so get out, get out there on social media. At yeah, gut, go check out Get Gutsy, Gutsy Canada. Canada. Yeah, um, Rashid, thank you for being here. Thanks. Thank so you so much for having me. Strength and positive thoughts, everyone. Till next time. Guts and Glory is produced by Bang Albino Inc., a full-service creative agency. 